HE News, episode number 20. You're listening to Health Empowerment News with Croft Woodruff. This week, multiple sclerosis, a treatment in search of a doctor. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Health Empowerment News with Croft Woodruff. My name is Andrew McGivern, and I'm here with the walking encyclopedia of natural health, Croft Woodruff. Good morning, Croft. Good morning, Andrew. I'm not so sure about walking encyclopedia, however. When we were at a natural health convention, I guess it was when, do you remember when Sean Buckley unveiled the natural health products? Yes. Peter Helgeson from the uh, Strauss Herb Company, Mm -hmm. he said that look around the room, there are a couple hundred experts on natural health in this room right now, and not one of them knows as much as Croft Woodruff has already forgot. Oh, God. <laughs> well, anyway, that's nice to hear. But in any case, what we're going to talk about today, and this is something that has been in the news. I saw it in the uh, Vancouver Sun. I saw it in the Globe and Mail just in this past week, as well as on uh, CBC uh, News regarding patients rallying to, uh, in protest. They want to access a treatment that the government does not think works for multiple sclerosis. It is known as the Zamboni treatment, and no, it has nothing to do with ice finishing machine after each hockey period, but it's a Dr. Zamboni uh, in Italy who has devised, a, 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 I guess, a very delicate operation on the veins that carry the blood away from the brain, and uh, he has found that by a slight abrasion, I guess, uh, he increases the diameter of the of the blood vessel, in this case the vein, so that the, the flow of blood from the brain is increased rapidly, so there's a much quicker changeover of blood to the brain, and this seems to have a, a beneficial effect on multiple sclerosis patients. Now, this of course caught my attention because of the fact that I've known Dale Humphreys of Victoria, Unfortunately, Dale passed away after short illness at the age of 83 this January 2010. I think it's quite remarkable, but considering that he was diagnosed as having multiple sclerosis in, in 1972, and in 1973, he had a second attack, which was more severe. The first attack, of course, he got the temporary or temporary treatments, the ACE, what they call ACTH injections. And what are what are those? Uh, that that see that's ACTH. That is a steroid. Mm, okay. And the it's, that's the acronym, and I just can't remember offhand the full uh, what the chemical uh, name the chemical name is, but it is a steroid, and it uh, gives some recovery. But the MS patients still can suffer extreme fatigue and have numbness in the feet and legs. Is that the standard treatment? Uh, Yes, yeah, ACTH. Now, the thing is that he had a relapse, and it was more severe, affecting his legs and his arms, and the, the, the fatigue forced him to quit his work. He was a music teacher, 
And uh, he was able to keep up for several hours at a time, but he had, sp- had to spend most of his time in bed. Now, this, this is 1973. Anyway, he was given the ACTH injections again, which didn't seem to have any effect, and his general practitioner and the neurologist had no other treatment to offer. They tried to encourage Dale by telling of the research being done on multiple sclerosis, which was progressing very rapidly, and eventually they would produce a drug which would cure MS. They assured him. But while waiting for this cure to be discovered, he began to read extensively everything he could on multiple sclerosis. The exciting moment for him came when he was reading a book called How to Get Well by Dr. Pavarola. Dr. Pavarola uh, was a Finnish naturopathic doctor. And uh, in his book, he said that Dr. Klenner was treating multiple sclerosis with much success. So after talking it over with his family, Dale Humphreys decided to go down to Reedsville, North Carolina, to see Dr. Klenner. He believed his doctors would be happy to hear this news. But when, I t- when he told them, rather, they were silent and finally said, Dale, this man Klenner is a quack. He will take your money and give you false hope. If there were a successful treatment for MS, we would know about it. Don't go. Well, Dale said, thanks God that he uh, ignored this medical advice. He phoned Dr. Klenner's office and was told by his receptionist that he didn't book appointments, but that I could come down and, and he would see me. This is Dale Humphreys writing. This sounded strange to Dale, no appointment, but he booked a flight from Victoria, British Columbia, to Reedsville, North Carolina. A long flight, fear tugged at his heart. Could he make it? He could walk only a short distance, and he was suffering total fatigue. When he arrived at the small town of Reedsville at 1 p.m., he phoned Dr. Klenner's office and was told to um, come into the office at 5 p.m. When he arrived, there was a group of perhaps 25 people standing at the bottom of a flight of stairs leading to his office on the second floor of an old frame building. They told Dale they were waiting to get their name on the patient list for the next day. Presently, Dr. Klenner's receptionist appeared and tacked a piece of paper on the list, which were uh, the 20 patients Dr. Klenner would see the next day. I was fortunate and met him the following day, said Dale. He was working alone with his wife, who was a a registered nurse and a receptionist. Dale learned that his receptionist had come to him in a wheelchair with multiple sclerosis in 1961. She was now completely recovered and worked several days a week in his office. Dr. Klenner examined Dale and confirmed the diagnosis of MS. By the way, I'm reading this from the Townsend Letter for Doctors, and uh, this is the March 2000 issue, just to give credit where credit is due. So anyways, Dr. Klenner examined Dale and confirmed the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis while explaining how the treatment worked. Klenner said that Dale was fortunate to come to him while still on his feet as the recovery period would be shortened considerably. Dale received an injection of uh, B1, that's thiamine, and liver extract and a copy of his protocol, which Dale was to read that night. Dale saw him again the next morning and was shown how to give himself intramuscular injections and told where to order the injectables. Dr. Klenner's final words to Dale were that he would recover completely and could probably go back to work within a matter of months. 
Dale couldn't believe it. He was still weak with numbness in his feet and legs, but he had strength again. And before he left, uh, Dr. Clenny's wife cautioned Dale that he must have the daily injection for life because the B1 cannot be absorbed orally in pill form. When Dale was ready to leave, he asked Mrs. Clenny for the bill. She said it wasn't made up yet and they would send it to me. I never did receive a bill from Dr. Klenner, said Dale Humphreys. So much for the quack who would take my money in return for false hope. So what happened? Yeah, and the doctors say, uh, if, if, if it was any good, we'd know about it. Well, the question is, it is good. Why don't you know about it? Did he recover? Yeah, he recovered fully. When Dale arrived home, putting Dr. Klenner's full treatment schedule in effect proved to be a problem. Many of the oral medications weren't available in Canada, and some of these medications, such as niacin, caused him some stomach distress. However, Dale said he'd always be grateful for Dr. Abram Hoffer, who passed away, unfortunately, last year in 2009, who guided Dale through this period. And by the way, we have more about Dr. Hoffer, about the very same condition, multiple sclerosis. Dr. Hoffer was practicing in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan at that time, but he always took uh, my uh, many t- uh, telephone calls. This is, of course, Dale talking. With the grace and compassion this great physician was renowned for. Dr. Hoffer had been practicing here in Victoria for quite some time now, and I had occasion to see him at his office recently about a problem I was having. I presented him with a sheet of the supplements I was, am presently taking, and he said, Dale, this must cause you a bundle, but you'll probably live to be 100. Recalling what last month's bill for supplements had been, I replied it probably couldn't afford to. In any case, several years later, following an interview for CBC television that was broadcast nationwide, Dale received a call from a man in Toronto who told Dale that he'd been cured of multiple sclerosis by Dr. H.D.R. Mount, a medical doctor of Ottawa, Ontario. This was very interesting, as Dale was unaware of anyone else treating multiple sclerosis. Anyways, the gentleman sent Dale a copy of a medical paper, which appeared in the Canadian Medical Association Journal of June 2, 1973, in which Dr. Mount gave 14 case histories of multiple sclerosis treatments treated successfully. On reading the paper, Dale was surprised to find Dr. Mount was using B1 intravenously and liver extract intramuscularly and nothing else. Dr. Klenner was treating MS intensively with vitamins A, C, E, and all of the B vitamins and other metabolites in addition to the B1 and liver extract injections. Dr. Mount felt paralysis was a contraindication to his type of therapy, whereas Dr. Klenner was treating patients with paralysis with success. Dr. Mount concluded his medical paper with a call for detailed studies to enlarge the use or uh, to circumscribe its limitations. So why have the positive results of these two men been stonewalled by orthodox medicine for 50 years? To answer this question, let's begin with the patient who goes to his general practitioner with neurological symptoms suggestive of multiple sclerosis, as Dale Humphreys did. He is then referred to a neurologist for treatment. The neurologist gives the patient steroids, usually cortisone or ACTH, which do not work. This is the stage at which this patient should be treated with intramuscular injections of B1 as well as liver extract. 
Would this safe, easily administered, and economical treatment work for every patient? Perhaps, and perhaps not. Would it work with 8 out of 10, or 5 out of 10, 1 out of 10? Cortisone with ACTH produces 0 out of 10 results, so even 1 out of 10 is a win-win situation. It is obvious that our neurologist, who is an advisor to the Multiple Sclerosis Society, and probably receives a stipend thereof, and who probably received a grant to do research work on a cause or cure for multiple sclerosis at one time during or following his medical education, won't rock the boat by using a treatment that works. This would risk the whole financial empire, salaries and grants funded with public money. This is called empire building. When did we become a society that victimizes its most vulnerable citizens? We are seeing the same sordid situation in the cancer industry and with its alternative therapy treatments that threaten the medical status quo. Of great concern to patients on this treatment has been the lack of readily available supplies of injectables, thiamine 100 milligrams per milliliter in 30 milliliter bottles and liver extract in 30 milliliter bottles. In Canada, the Canadian Health Protection Branch that's the Canadian version of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, wouldn't allow pharmacies to import thiamine and liver extract, which were not produced in Canada. Patients had to import their supplies from the U.S. with all the red tape this entailed. Most pharmacies in the United States didn't stock these supplies because of the limited demand and had to order them from suppliers. This lack of a readily available supply was a hardship for patients, and many finally became discouraged and gave up. Steris Laboratories of Phoenix, Arizona, was the the sole manufacturer of vitamin and liver extract injectables in the U.S. Two years ago, uh, the cold, heavy hand of the FDA fell on Steris Labs. Now, this uh, was written in 2005, or was it 2000? No, it was 2000, I'm sorry. So that means in 1998, the cold, heavy hand of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration fell on Steris Labs, and they were forced to stop producing vitamin injectables. This has been a tragedy for multiple sclerosis patients, and Dale had received many calls from desperate people asking, asking for help. With the Food and Drug Administration's record of crackdowns on nutritional therapies and supplements, was this an, an orchestrated plan to eliminate One more threat to orthodox medicine, neurologists and all, not to mention the empire building of the multiple sclerosis society from accessing alternative therapies. Well, Dale had every reason to believe it was, as he wrote in the Townsend letter, and I'm sure people who are with this broadcast have to agree, given the evidence we're bringing forth today. Three years ago, Merit Pharmaceuticals of Los Angeles began producing liver extract. When Dale learned in 1998 what had happened to Steris, he called Mr. Charles Farr, president of Merit Labs, and asked him if he could uh, begin producing thiamine injectable in 30 milliliters uh, per 100 uh, milligrams per milliliter. He said he was considering it and would probably start in August if things look favorable. In January of 1999, uh, Dale was informed uh, by his pharmacist in the U.S. that uh, thiamine was still not available. Uh, Mr. Farr again was phoned, and he said that they decided to produce a 30-milliliter B-complex, 100-injectable, 
which had a formulation of thiamine, 100 milligrams per milliliter, B6, 2 milligrams per milliliter, pantothenic acid, 2 milligrams per milliliter, riboflavin, 2 milligrams per milliliter, and niacinamide, 100 milligrams per milliliter. I asked why, this is Dale, asking why the thiamine wasn't being produced, and Mr. Farr felt that the market for thiamine had been killed by the U.S. Food and Drug Action, but thought that a B-complex 100 would appeal to a broader market, as many doctors routinely use a B-complex injection for their patients. It was good news for, for MS patients, as this formula supplied the 100 milligrams of thiamine required to treat MS. When Dale checked again with the pharmacy in May, he was told that because of the FDA quarantine, it wouldn't be available until July. Now, that was 1999. Sounded more like FDA monkey business to Dale, and he was receiving many desperate calls from patients. Dale saw Dr. Hoffer about it, and he suggested having a compound pharmacy make it up in Victoria. He called a pharmacist and was told it could be done. 100 milligrams per milliliter, a 30 milliliter bottle would cost $30. Patients requiring two bottles per month costing $60. Well, most people were paying $8 per bottle for $16 a month for imported thiamine. More than three times as expensive locally, but at least the specter of wheelchairs hanging over the heads of the MS patients was now lifted. In summary, there is a roadblock at the neurologist's door for multiple sclerosis victims, but there is a ray of hope. In the 20-plus years that Dale had been working to get the word out of a successful treatment for multiple sclerosis, he has talked with many general practitioners, and the majority of them to have told Dale they saw no harm in helping these patients with the treatment, even though they felt it wouldn't work. With the increasingly acceptance of alternative therapies by many physicians and the demand by an informed public for therapies, which transcend the cut, poison, and burn syndrome uh, of routine orthodox medicine. Perhaps an exciting new era is dawning for many people stricken with diseases which were formerly considered to be untreatable. So that was Dale Humphreys in the uh, Townsend letter, and that was March uh, of 2000. Are there any side effects to these intramuscular injections? Well, I guess the most significant side effect is uh, disappearance of symptoms. Uh, apparently not. Now, here is uh, some of the things that were written out by Dale Humphreys and published in the Victorian on January 26, 1976. My, that, that, that's, uh, you know, um, 24 years ago, isn't it? Uh, is that right? 24 years ago, 1976 from 2010? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a group of five people, all victims of multiple sclerosis, are quick, quietly making medical history in Victoria. To date, there has been no known medical cure for crippling disease of multiple sclerosis. Now, new treatment using simple vitamins has brought about definite improvement in all five, and one woman's progress has been described by her doctor as dramatic. J.M. is a 42-year-old housewife, was in a wheelchair. Now she can walk and even dance. A mother of three and a wife of a retired serviceman, Mrs. M has been on the treatment for only six weeks, but Mrs. M and the rest of the group are lucky. They have doctors in Victoria willing to give the treatment. By the way, there are doctors in British Columbia and across Canada that are willing to give the treatment, and anybody that wants information can email us, and we'll get the information out to you. Some 13 others in Greater Victoria have also found physicians who will help, and they are commencing, rather commencing treatment now. 
but a further 10 multiple sclerosis sufferers are still seeking medical aid and being turned down. The problem, the treatment is new to doctors and not officially recognized by the medical profession. I'm reading from the Victorian of January 26, 1976. There are only seven or eight doctors here who are going along with this, said Dale Humphreys, uh, the man who started it all. On November 5th, 1975, the Victorian printed the story of Humphreys' startling recovery from multiple sclerosis. The 48-year-old music teacher was cured of MS following treatment prescribed by Dr. Frederick H. Klenner of Reedsville, Ontario. Dale was free of symptoms of multiple sclerosis until he passed away this January at the age of 83 after short illness. Imagine that many years free of any multiple sclerosis symptoms. And maybe it gave him uh, 83 years that he wouldn't have had either because it's been my experience that people with multiple sclerosis have a rather short lifespan or shortened lifespan. A medical paper by Dr. Kleiner outlining the treatment was made available through the Victorian. Multiple sclerosis patients were instructed to take the paper to their doctor if they wished to try it. The result was astounding. Since then, letters have been coming in steadily from all over the world as the story of Humphreys spreads far and wide. One Toronto man is flying to Victoria and f- around February the 1st to meet with Humphreys in a desperate attempt to find someone who uh, will treat him. Humphreys, once almost reconciled to a wheelchair, is now 100% fit and able to do two jobs. Mrs. M. gives thanks to her doctor. I'm one of the lucky ones. I asked him to help me, and he read Clutter's paper and said, there's nothing to hurt you here, and then he agreed we could go ahead, she says. I can't understand those doctors who say no to their patients. Some of them don't even give a reason. So there you are, group of five, meet multiple, beat multiple sclerosis, the Victorian, January 26, 1976. Can you imagine the number of multiple sclerosis people out there who have been turned away because the doctors refused to investigate? The question is, why don't they know about it? They should be ashamed of themselves. Unfortunately, Dale Humphreys passed away this February of 2010 at the age of 83 after short illness. However, thanks to Dale Humphreys, there are many multiple sclerosis uh, victors who have thrown away their crutches and their wheelchairs. But you know, it's interesting enough that when Dale and other multiple sclerosis victims who had successfully benefited from Dr. Frederick Klenner's protocol approaching the Multiple Sclerosis Society and MS specialists, they were met with the same disbelief and hostility that the Multiple Sclerosis Society and the Multiple Sclerosis Specialists now direct to Dr. Zamboni and his surgical treatment. However, I'd rather go for the Klenner therapy than submit to a knife. So here's a better alternative for those MS patients that are seeking answers. Safe and effective. They have huge benefits, said this one gentleman. They slow down the progression. Others reduce the number of brain lesions. They really improve your quality of life. With all the benefits, however, come a number of adverse side effects, mood changes, digestive problems, or hepatitis in very rare circumstances. We're talking about the steroids now, the cortisone and the ACTH. Now, Peter Lee is a gentleman that showed up in the pages of the Vancouver Sun on the 5th of September, 2009. And he went to uh, the... um, Dr. Abram Hoffer. Dr. Abram Hoffer, shortly before Dr. Hoffer passed away at the age of 92, by the way. We talked about Hoffer a couple episodes ago. Yes. With one of his patients. Now, Mr. Leeds... 
this is the headlines from the Vancouver Sun. Orthomolecular medicine keeps multiple sclerosis attacks at bay. Since he was a teenager, Peter Leeds, this is from the Vancouver Sun. Peter Leeds has suffered painful attacks but had rendered his hands and feet crippled. And um, he had no idea he had multiple sclerosis, the debilitating disease which plagued the central nervous system, leading to physical and cognitive disabilities. So Peter would wake up with his toes and fingers and be numb. The numbness would creep up his legs, creep up his arms, until it took me over, making him numb from the neck down. Suffering attacks at least once a year, it wasn't until four years ago when Leeds was 31 years old that he was diagnosed with MS. Leeds, a Toronto resident, had benign relapse remitting MS, which is characterized by unpredictable yet clear attacks. Symptoms can begin to appear over a few hours or days and last for days or months. Between attacks, the body can recover almost completely. Of course, uh, they go on about there's been no cause or cure for MS. There are five federally approved therapies that have been proven to diminish the frequency and severity of attacks. According to Stuart Wong, National Senior Manager of the Multiple Sclerosis Society, and he's saying, of course, uh, that they have huge benefits, these steroidal treatments, the the ACTH and the uh, cortisone. And, uh, of course, what are these side effects? Mood changes, digestive problems, hepatitis in very rare circumstances. But not with the vitamin injections, not with the oral intake of the vitamins. And, of course... The head of the MS Society is saying that the two methods can work together, you know. But so he's saying integrative care. Yeah, 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 integrative therapy, forget it. What about when he went to see Hoffer the first time? What did Hoffer say? Yeah, he said, Dr. Hoffer, I've got MS. And Dr. Hoffer said, so what? <laughs> <laughs> because he knew that it could be dealt with. I mean, his contact and working with Dale Humphreys and other orthomolecular physicians across Canada over the years, uh, they know what the score is. If you've, got a, 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 if you've got a metabolic condition, a disease, which the establishment tells you there's no known cure for other than cut, poison, or burn, uh, poison in the case of cortisone and the ACTH, the steroidal treatments, seek out an orthomolecular physician. You'll find a better answer and an answer to your problems for sure. That reminds me of Dr. Um, Gonzalez, I mm-hmm. believe, in New York. Yes. Oncologist. Yeah. And his goal when he sees a cancer patient for the first time, I, I believe he deals usually with pancreatic cancer, Yeah, is to make them laugh about having cancer. Yeah, Because exactly. he said the worst thing you can do is to have someone in a white coat. Tell uh, you got some problem. Tell them you've got six months. To tell live. them you've got six months yeah, to live and you've got to take these toxic chemicals and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then you, if anything, they shorten the lifespan anyways because besides poisoning the, the cancer cells, they poison the, the patient. And uh, mm. so you're, you're caught between uh, t- uh, two evils, you know, mm. uh, the toxic chemicals and, and the invasive cancer. And the stress. Yeah, and the stress. Stephen Carter, who is managing editor of the Journal of Orthomolecular Medicine based in on, uh, Toronto, uh, said a patient shouldn't have to pay any more than $150 per month or about $2,000 a year for the uh, orthomolecular therapy of uh, using the, the, the vitamins, the C, the D, the salmon oil, niacin, folic acid, and zinc, as well as the semi-weekly shots of vitamin B12. And, of course, good idea to avoid all caffeine and dairy. So the federally approved treatments, you know, the cortisone and the ACTH, can cost anywhere from 20000 to $40,000 per year. However, some will be reimbursed, but not all. And, of course, if you're looking for an alternative therapy, you can kiss any reimbursement goodbye. 
However, most people can surely uh, afford something like $150 a month for vitamins and injectables. You know, it, it, it stands to reason. Yeah. And so the cost of supplements might act as a deterrent to orthomolecular medicine. Patients should consider them more than just what comes out of the wallet. So, yeah. Well, if, it, if yeah. it's going to prevent you from degenerating further yeah. and live a normal life, yeah. then it's definitely worth the investment. Absolutely. Peter Leeds says he can't imagine his life without orthomolecular medicine. He went from fearing death to having two more children with his wife of 11 years. But he didn't hear about this option from his physician, nor was it listed as one of Health Canada's approved treatments. And, of course, what is important is having options. Anyways, they say, talk with your family physician and your neurologist. Choose the treatment you're most comfortable with. But if your neurologist or your physician suggests that orthomolecular therapy using vitamins and injectable uh, metabolites and vitamins they know nothing about it, then their best bet is to seek out another physician. And that's why I suggest you contact the Orthomolecular Society or you can uh, contact us through email and we'll be glad to point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about why don't people know about these things. Back then in 1976, we didn't have the internet. That's right. And so people didn't have access to this information like they do now. But a lot of people, you know, just aren't the type of person to take control of their own health. And they'll, they'll trust the doctor anyway. They'll trust the doctor. And so, the trouble is, is uh, the, doc can, the doctor you trust it may not be the doctor for you. Because if he tells you that if we knew about it, we'd be doing it. And then the question is, well, I know about it. And I see and hear that people are using this treatment and the fact that you're not doing it and know nothing about it tells me I better take my trade somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And just to say, don't go there, he's a quack, you know, yeah. it's a little bit ignorant. He should look at the treatment and say, okay, well, there's going to be no harm done. Uh, you can try this if you want to. Well, that's the admonishment of the, um, of the Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm. And, uh, and with the vitamins, uh, there is no evidence of toxicity whatsoever. And, uh, and this comes from the poison control centers of North America. They have nothing. Oh, you'll get uh, scare stories written up by the likes of Forbes magazine or Reader's Digest. But uh, look who advertises in their pages. Uh, industries uh, that uh, would suffer a loss if people took personal responsibility for them health for their health by uh, by watching the t type of foods that they eat and ensure that they get nutritional support in their in their diet to ensure good health because that's exactly what these multiple sclerosis uh, x we might as well say multiple sclerosis victors they know the score if you take responsibility for your the condition of your body and what you put into it you go a long way of uh, getting rid of these problems, problems and uh, becoming a, a, a victor over multiple sclerosis or cancer, other conditions, even AIDS. What you heard Croft talking about today was taken from a, a few newspapers, uh, newspaper articles, but the original story on the treatment searching for a doctor. Yes, that was in the Townsend letter. And that was written up in March of uh, 2000. 
anybody who's listening to this, you're obviously, you have an interest in natural health. And I would recommend going over to thetownsandletter.com and uh, subscribing to this, this periodical. It's a great, You can great do a journal. search for multiple sclerosis and, uh, and it should come up. Okay, and now moving on to a question from somebody who had emailed in a question. She's had some bad experiences on Crestor and uh, other statins. She's been prescribed a new non-statin drug for cholesterol. And although her cholesterol has come down due to changing her diet in recent uh, months, Mm -hmm. uh, she's still apparently a little bit above the normal level, so her doctor wants her to be on this cholestyramine drug. Usually with these drugs, if I may say, it comes with a list of side effects. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it isn't with the, uh, the drug insert, ask the pharmacist and get them to look it up. And if you can't find anything on it, I'd still be very leery about taking a prescription uh, for a synthetic chemical to try and lower your cholesterol. Uh, you've managed to lower your cholesterol significantly through diet. Then uh, why not look into taking niacin? Uh, you can get the no-flush niacin if you f- uh, find that to be aggravating. And Dr. Hoffer recommended something on the order of 3 grams, which is uh, the equivalent of 6 500-milligram no-flush niacin capsules. And you, take, uh, you can take two of them three times a day uh, with your meals, if you have three squares a day. And uh, the niacin in itself has been shown to lower cholesterol. Vitamin C, if you take three or more grams of vitamin C a day, can lower your cholesterol. Other things like vitamin E prevents your blood from clotting because of clogged arteries. And it also stimulates the heart or strengthens the heartbeat. That's very important for, for heart function. What about natokinase? Natokinase, that's an enzyme. Mm-hmm. Uh, which seems to have a, a beneficial effect. Uh, I don't know that much about it, but uh, one might consider it, although my inclination is to stick with the vitamins, the, vitamin, the B vitamins, especially the niacin, the vitamin C, the vitamin E. Also, selenium uh, prevents cholesterol from being oxidized as well as prevents your vitamin E and C from being oxidized, so you get more mileage out of your antioxidants. Very important. And, of course, the, uh, the carotenoids, which is alpha and beta carotene, xanthine, lycopene, and lutein, these also have antioxidant properties and uh, are important for the health of the, of the smaller uh, arteries and capillaries. And uh, so these are things that you want. And, of course, a lot of these things you get from eating uh, lots of uh, greens and uh, uh, colored vegetables and, uh, of different varieties. All your pepper family, the red, green, yellow, and orange peppers, and, uh, and of course, many of the herbs. Uh, anything that's got color in it, you want to incorporate into your diet, as long as it is vegetables. What about carbohydrates, uh, starchy carbohydrates? And yeah, they, they should be limited. Uh, uh, you know, when you mash a potato, you know, you make it much more easy to break down into sugar. And it will elevate your sugar levels. And that, in turn, will elevate cholesterol. Hmm. And uh, sugar is bad news. And what about oils, the types of oils that uh, you should cook with? or Coconut oil mm-hmm. uh, is one oil that you can fry with without having a problem with oxidation. And also, uh, for, uh, for salad oils, you would use something like sunflower oil. 
and olive oil. Mm-hmm. But but for frying, I would I would use uh, I would use coconut oil. Okay, yeah. coconut oil. If you if you uh, do an internet search on Google for coconut oil, it comes up with this study showing that it's bad for cardiovascular disease. Really. But it focuses on the fact that it's a, it's a, a saturated, saturated fat. It's a saturated fat. Yeah. And, um, well, if you use any hydrogenated oil, that's a, that is an artificially saturated fat, such as like uh, Crisco and uh, some of these other uh, vegetable shortenings that are used. Because like lard, for instance, although you have to look at labels now, because some lard, they, the, the, the way they're feeding the swine that supply lard there is um, much of it is liquid and not solid and saturated as it should would normally be. So they partially hydrogenate the, the pig fat, the liquid pig fat, so it's solid at room temperature. So uh, if you buy uh, if you buy uh, and use lard that has not been hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated, it is a naturally saturated fat, and you can safely fry food with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might as well. I mean, let's look at it. If you have a steak that is well laced with uh, saturated fat, right? And you fry it up, well, the, the, we should all become vegetarians then because the fat in any animal fat, if we follow uh, their theory about saturated fats and cholesterol, uh, then we should become all vegetarians. Well, that's not likely to happen anytime soon. So people who are semi-vegetarian and have the occasional steak and uh, even a heavy steak eater probably may not run into any real difficulty unless they're, they're putting a saturated, uh, artificially saturated fats, hydrogenated oils, in other words, into the frying pan to fry their steak in. Mm-hmm. What about olive oil? Uh, because of the antioxidant in auto olive oil, uh, it, you can fry with it once, but after that it's oxidized, forget it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I prefer... Uh, and at low temperatures? Uh, I prefer frying with coconut oil. And, and, of course, using olive oil once. Well, 350 degrees, unfortunately, beyond that, uh, you're going to run into problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So olive oil is good for salads. Uh, good Better for, for salads. Same thing with, uh, with organic uh, sunflower oil. Uh, and it has a nice flavor to it. And, and, of course, it stores well in the refrigerator. So, Okay. These are liquid at uh, refrigerator temperature, so there should be no problem. So anybody who's looking into changing their cholesterol levels naturally... The vitamin root is the route to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you go to rural chemicals, you're asking for nothing but trouble in the long run. I mean, this is the, this is the, the, the problem with, the, with these drugs. You, even now on the, on the television commercials, uh, they tell you, uh, you know, they have a little play where the, uh, the man is uh, doing much better thanks to such and such a drug... And in the last uh, uh, 30 seconds of the commercial or 20 seconds of the commercial, the, uh, they're, they're talk, running off all the side effects so fast you can, can't keep up with uh, the things that you have to avoid and uh, what you can expect in side effects. If that's the case, then it's best perhaps to leave the drug alone and try something else. Go and see an orthomolecular physician or a naturopathic physician. You'll be in much safer hands. And, of course, ask your medical doctor if he, if he uh, believes in using vitamin therapies uh, as an option over chemicals. If he says uh, no to your question, then uh, you better find another doctor. These commercials, they show happy people running around doing uh, 
fun things That's and right. uh, then they say the name of the drug and they don't quite sometimes they don't even you know list what the drug is for they just say ask your doctor about That's right what what know, my, Viagra what can, well, yeah or what uh, Taximin or whatever can do for you and in the the book what the truth about the drug companies uh, the author she says that women have been coming in to ask their doctors about uh, you know should I be on this Viagra because the commercials you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They get people excited about something, and they don't even know what it is. That's right, and of course, the commercials are really directed at men who are having problems with erectile dysfunction. Well, I've had feedback from people who tried fifty milligrams of zinc a day, and uh, that seemed to overcome uh, their libido problems. Hmm. Of course, if you improve circulation with uh, things like vitamin C and E. Uh, and uh, selenium, uh, there are benefits for the libido in that direction as well. Interesting. So I guess that wraps it up for this week. Yeah. So we'll uh, be back again next week. And remember to, if you have any questions, to call us at our voicemail feedback line at www.foodsornotdrugs.com. And we'll see you again next week. See you, Prof. See you again. See you again.